In my last episode, I had an extensive conversation with the much-talked-about Yellow Bag, who at the time of Johnny Gosh's disappearance had been a newspaper carrier on the east side of Des Moines. Since I released that episode, I can tell you with certainty I saw the biggest spike in downloads in all seven months that I've had this podcast. I guess I didn't realize it at the time how much of a need there was to hear Yellowbag's voice, to know that he is a real person, and he was a paper carrier for the Des Moines Register, and he did know Wilbur Milhouse, as Milhouse was his circulation manager. But I also began to realize that to only hear from Yellowbag was not enough. Now that we had heard from him, we needed to corroborate his story. And as luck would have it, that same week that I released episode 23, I also heard back from a former manager from the Des Moines Register, who I had first reached out to back in July so I could ask her more about her thoughts on Milhouse. Her name is Vicki Esperanza, and though she was never Milhouse's direct supervisor, she did work alongside of him throughout the early 80s, up until he was removed from his position altogether. I also had the chance to ask her about some of the possible circumstances in which Milhouse may have met Johnny Gosh, if it was possible that they knew each other, or at the very least had crossed paths. And as far as corroborating Yellowbag's story, Yellowbag put me in touch with his mother, Mary, who was also a witness to when Milhouse said regarding Johnny, nothing would have happened if he just kept his mouth shut. So those are the perspectives that I have for you today. And also, I did speak again to Johnny's father, John Sr., to get his thoughts on my talk with Yellow Bag. And also to ask him some of the follow-up questions that listeners have suggested to me. This is episode 24 of Faded Out. I'm Sarah Dimio. First up, I'd like you to hear from Vicki Esperanza. She began working at the Des Moines Register in 1978. She was a manager in the circulation department. As you're going to hear, she did not have a good feeling about Wilbur Milhouse. She didn't know him personally, just worked alongside of him during the years that they were both at the Register. And I think as you listen to her, you may start to get a sense of how someone like Milhouse was able to stay off anyone's radar for all of this time. Here's Vicky. Back around that time, um, you worked for the Des Moines Register for a while, right? Right. Okay, so what years did you work there? Like, for how long? I worked there for 20 years. Oh, okay. I think at that time, it was about 1986 when I left for a while, when I came back. Um, yeah, I'd worked there about 14, 14 years at that time. 
Do you remember having an employee named Wilbur Milhouse? Well, I know he worked in our department. Mm-hmm. I, I can't uh, remember very much about him. I've been trying to think about what you said in your podcast. I was just shocked by a lot of it. Yeah. Because um, I have to say I worked beside him for at least 12 years and probably never spoke a word to him. There was just something creepy about him that I didn't want to know. I didn't, I didn't know him. I never had a conversation with him. I never, he didn't work directly for me. Okay. None, none of that. So, um, and I thought it was all, always weird the way people, um, a lot of people that did talk to him just acted like he was really funny and cute and all this. And I just thought he was creepy, really creepy. Yeah. Um... So, do you remember why or how, or did you even know why he got transferred um, from the um, west side to the east side in 1982? No, not at all. And I've been trying and trying and trying to remember what was, what, I don't remember that happened yet. Um, I was the person, I know I fired him. All I know is um, he was, uh, they told me, um, and it was 1986, he was gone at that time. Right. No, I think it was gone before that. He was gone a couple of years before that. Yeah. That's because, all I can remember. Right, like, because he got arrested, like, for sexual abuse, I believe, right? Um, was it around well, that they, same time? I didn't even know that. I, I was wondering, did do you know if Milhouse would have had any contact with paper carriers because another yeah okay so he would like he would have like been able to interact with them um would so it would have been would it have been possible that he would have met johnny gosh possible yes okay i know he was not his manager of his area that's all i know for sure but i know that um you know there's all kinds of activities that people do like we would have uh, activities for the carriers all the time so you know especially sales contests that they get a lot a certain number of new subscriptions they might have a party or something like that you know yeah but and, yeah that was really innocent okay. stuff like you go to Chuck E. Cheese's with you know four or five different groups so something like that you know yeah, that's that's kind of what I thought too, uh, because um, and and that would be a way for um, like would other districts attend these parties too? Like it would be a way for people to like meet each other from different parts of town, possibly. It's possible, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's it's all it's kids always, you know, whatever how they get to know each other. I never figured it out. They don't seem to ever really know much about each other. They just see each other and they hang out together. But, yeah, um, yeah it would have certainly been possible, but those guys were getting um, a little bit old for that kind of stuff, you know? Right. More like a 11 or 12-year-old. Right. I think they were older, weren't they? I think, anyway. Well, well Johnny, Johnny was 12 the day he disappeared, so, I mean, he would probably still be well, in that age group. Yeah. He looked older, but I think that... Um, I think, yeah, he might have been invited to something like that, as possible. And certainly if he was a good carrier, he was, uh, you know, probably invited to a lot of things like that, you know. Just, um, like, you know, once a year we, we um, 
would have um, different, I can't remember, mostly we did a lot of pizza parties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. stop by, have sweet and coke and stuff because you made your goal, your sales goal or something like that, you know. Yeah, and well, like I had heard that about Johnny. Like one thing that um is in print about him a lot is that one time he won an award and like he got uh his prize was that he got like a free airplane ride or or something like that. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, so yeah, and so I got different sales awards, just like we did. We got sales awards for the number of new subscriptions that we started all the time. Right. So. And, um, and so I, I'm wondering, like, because if, if Melhouse did seem like a creepy person, do you think uh, he's somebody capable of, like, stealing a kid off the street or capable of, like, something even worse than that? I, I kind of thought he was, um, it's not somebody that I would have immediately thought that of, but, like, not like Frank Sakura, who you would think in a minute. Yeah. But... <laughs> Yeah, and I, you know, but but both of them were the two people I think that worked there who you would say, what are they doing here? But I don't know. He was um, he seemed innocent a lot of the time, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people thought that he was because, you know, they jo- he joked around a lot and stuff, and he seemed kind of like a big kid himself, you know. So you yeah. know, he seemed kind of innocent. So I wouldn't say that I thought he was. I would just say that. I can see how some people might have thought he was. Yeah. I don't know, but there was still something creepy, creepy about him that I couldn't put my finger yeah, on. Like, I just didn't want to be around him. I never was. Vicky pointed out something that I think is very important as we try to piece together Johnny and Milhouse and how they could have known each other. Special events were held for the carriers all the time, whether it be pizza parties, trips to fun places, especially if they were good carriers and with good records, which, as we've talked about, Johnny certainly was. And they weren't just limited to one district either. Carriers, staff from other districts would crisscross and show up at each other's events. Okay, so now that we know that it is possible that Johnny and Milhouse could have crossed paths any number of times, now I would like you to hear from Yellowbag's mother, Mary, who I spoke to the following day. Mary had a clear memory of Milhouse and the feeling that she got from him. I do my podcast. Uh, it's called Faded Out, and I'm following the Johnny Gosh case. Oh, yeah. I sure wish I would be able to find those boys. Yeah. Um, your son was telling me about a guy that he knew back when he was a newspaper carrier for the Register. Um, I was wondering if you remember anything about a guy who used to work at the Des Moines Register by the name of Wilbur. Yeah, Wilbur Milhouse. Yeah. Yeah, he was the guy. We finally figured out that he was a, a pervert. Right. It took us a while to figure it out, but uh, it was. I had a strange phone call one day. I was at home, and the phone rang, and I got a phone call from Wilbur Milhouse saying that he was in the hospital and would like to go visit with him. Mm-hmm. Well, what kind of a person does that? Yeah. Because a 14, 15-year-old boy wanting him to come and visit him. Yeah. So we finally got the message that uh, he was a local neighborhood pervert. And some of the other kids in the neighborhood were starting to tell us, you know, stay away from this guy. He's, he's just bad news. And he and uh, your son was telling me that um, after Johnny Gosh disappeared, um, you had heard um, Wilbur Milhouse say things like, um, 
nothing would have happened to him if he just kept his mouth shut? Did you ever hear him say things like that? Uh, once I did, okay. but uh, in a roundabout kind of way, yeah. Do you remember what happened? Can you kind of walk me through that moment? Um, well, it was just, uh, he was sitting at the kitchen table and he just mentioned how sad it was that he was missing and, um, that, uh, something bad probably happened to him and he would come over to the house and he just stayed too long, you know, when he would come over and they would be doing their paperwork and stuff to get the money for the newspapers. It just seemed like he hung around and hung around and couldn't get mm -hmm. rid of the guy. How did what? What did you think when he said when he said that Johnny that, that nothing would have happened to him if he just kept? Well, we just thought that he knew, that he knew something about it. What happened okay. to him? Okay. That either if he didn't do it, that he knew who did, and then quit his paper route right away after that phone call that where he wanted him to come and visit. I mm -hmm. think it scared the crap out of him. Well, yeah. You know, he's just a kid. He was like 14, 15 years old, and this guy's sitting there talking about this young man that's missing. We had called uh, the uh, West Des Moines Police Department, uh -huh. and they said that they had done everything that they could, you okay. know, to try to find out, you know, what happened to those to the kids that were missing. Because we were thinking about the Martin boy, too. Right, Eugene, I think he yeah. was one of them, too. Yeah. And all right within, uh, what, a couple of years of each other. And so, so they had some kind of a pedophile group going on down there at that newspaper office. That, well, that's what it definitely seems like. When you did meet Wilbur Milhouse, um, did he strike you as somebody who could have um, stolen a boy off the street? Not really. He was kind of a weak little fellow. Okay. He's a kind of a guy you picture as kind of, you know, maybe a number two guy or something. Okay. I don't think he, I really don't think he did it, but I think he knows who did. So now we have another person who remembers Milhouse and clearly remembers him speaking about Johnny and potentially incriminating himself. Mary told me that Milhouse was not a large man. He was about 5'10", thin, probably would not be able to manhandle someone. But she did say that she personally believed that he could be a number two guy, that even if he didn't do it, he at least knew who did. The same night that I spoke to Mary, I received a call back from Johnny's dad. I had called him a couple nights prior, and it was a very interesting time to be having all of these conversations, because understand, when I called John, it was September 4th. The next night, when I called Vicky, it was September 5th, the 36th anniversary of Johnny's disappearance. And the next night, when I spoke to Mary and to John, it was September 6th. So I was conscious of the date this entire time, as I'm quite certain everyone else was. So when my phone rang and it said John Gosh, obviously I picked it up right away. And at the moment that he called, I have to admit, my voice recorder was down in the car. So I had him on the phone with me as I ran down my apartment steps out to my car and ran all the way back up. At the beginning of this clip, you'll probably be able to hear me shuffling through my notes, getting all my questions in order. Here's John Sr. What were your thoughts when you heard the Yellow Bag episode? The, the Yellow Bag episode mm. just floored me. I, I just couldn't believe how accurate and all the details that he had with all the information. It was like it happened yesterday, and he was that sharp and clear on it. But you know, things like that you do remember. 
a lot more than you do other things. So that probably accounts for a lot of it. Yeah, and I w- I, I'm wondering, um, is there any way that uh, you just told me that Johnny really was only had contact with um, the two women who were his supervisors, but was there any way that Johnny would have... Um, would have come in contact with somebody like Wilbur Millhouse, whether it was like, because I know sometimes the register did events, like um, they would have parties for carriers or like trips to like, you know, amusement parks or just things like that. So, I mean, what was, was that something that Johnny did quite often where he could have crossed paths with somebody like Millhouse? Yeah, very possible because he did win quite a few of his little <clears throat> Contests that the Des Moines Register had, um, either for 100% collections or no complaints or no missing papers, and and uh, he kind of prided himself on on doing a good job all the time. So um, he did get several awards, and I know he took a, a airplane ride um, across the city of Des Moines and surrounding areas. Millhouse might have been on the plane. You never know. Yeah, I think that was uh, that was another question that somebody wanted me to ask you, just in terms of like follow up questions. Um, that plane ride that Johnny got to take. Um, who else was involved with that? Like, who else was was there? <clears throat> I don't know. And he went to the airport with his managers, so. Um, I may have been out of town, too, when that, that took place. Okay. I, I travel a lot for my, my job. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, I wanted to know what you thought about um, what Yellow Bag said, that sort of what Milhouse's M.O. sort of was that he would call boys at night. And um, I, I'm wondering, did anybody ever try to call Johnny at night and um, just like a, an older man wanting to talk to him because that was sort of as far as yellow bag tells me what millhouse did with all the boys he tried to coerce not not to my knowledge sir i don't i've never never ever remember if ever getting a call from anybody um night or whatever did um did johnny have any close friends maybe he like shared secrets with and maybe maybe something was going on that maybe he didn't feel comfortable sharing with you or Noreen and maybe um maybe he would like keep it to himself or share it with somebody else or maybe he if something weird was going on maybe he like would have shared it with like a supervisor at the register or something like that possibly one of those gals he may have said something to her that Millhouse may have done something or whatever, and maybe she just blew it off, you know. Yeah. But um, um, I, I'm not sure if she's still alive or okay. if that manager that he had. Um, yeah, I, I don't remember her name right now either. Yeah, I, I spoke to one of Yellowbag's managers just last night, actually, and she told me that she was never... Um, she was never Johnny's supervisor. Um, her name was Vicky. And, um, but she was saying that she did know Wilbur Melhouse. And she was saying that 
he was one of those guys where she had a bad feeling about him. Like, she thought that he was kind of a creep, but she did also say that he was one of those guys where other people liked him. Like, other, like he was very, um, he was very charismatic in that sense. And that was kind of something that Yellowbag said, too. Um, so, so, I don't know, did, like, uh... Did Johnny ever hang out with like other carriers or? <clears throat> Not unless you know when he went over to the mall to uh, the hobby shop or something like that and met somebody. You know, <clears throat> that's about the only thing I can think of. I wanted to ask you a question that um, somebody on Facebook wanted me to ask you the um, the Netflix documentary do you think that it did a good job in portraying what you believe really happened and is there anything that you think should have been included that wasn't or vice versa i i I don't remember too much about it so um okay i think everything that i said in there was pretty well Everything it should have been included, but <clears throat> the stuff with, with uh, you know, Anasi and some of those things that I, I feel totally different than Marine does, so I don't, I don't know. What do you think about some of the supposed sightings of Johnny over the years, like um, the dollar bill that had his signature on it, supposedly, and there was a a woman who claims to have seen him in a parking lot in, I believe it yeah. was in Sioux City. Um, did you ever find mm. those to be credible? Credible? No, no. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> no. I mean, we, we had calls from people that, tea leaf readers that wanted us to go to different parks and travel pits and look, and we did it. I mean, I'd call the police and we'd, we'd go in the middle of the night and uh, check the area out, and then they would usually follow up the next day when it was locked, daylight, and uh, double-check it. But <clears throat> and Ron Sampson and I went different times to different things, and in the middle of the night, just say, hey, we're going to go look at that. No, there was, there was supposed to be sightings in <clears throat> different times, and um, of course, you would grab on that, and call the media right away, but and that probably was the best thing to do, just to keep the story going. Okay, and, and that's kind of the feeling that I got, too, that it wasn't necessarily that it was Johnny's signature on the dollar bill, or like any any particular sighting was 100% like credible, it was just it was a way to kind of keep the story in the news. So people, uh, right. so, so it was like, so people were still talking about it. So, and getting back to Benassi too, um, was there anything else that you asked him about Johnny other than Johnny's height? Was there anything specific that like you asked him to identify Johnny and did he, did he get any of it right? <clears throat> I asked him where his birthmark was, and he said, I, I don't know. Okay. And his birthmark, you could see it under his shirt, just on his neck. But it was on his, kind of on his chest. And it was a discoloration of his skin. 
nothing really obscene or anything else, but it was definitely if you knew that there was a birthmark there, you could kind of see it. Okay. But it just kind of, kind of looked like like somebody didn't wash their, their neck real good. So. Oh, okay. Um, and and did he know that you were Johnny's father, or like was that communicated to him, or did he just assume that you were somebody with John DeCamp? I, I think I was introduced as Johnny's father. Okay. Because when we signed in the guest book, um, I mean, my name was there, and right. so was John DeCamp's. And, and Roy, uh, uh, Roy, I think, the private investigator, mm-hmm. he, he also signed in, too. So. Okay. And another thing that people wanted me to ask that they seem to be unclear about, um, because the story, like the timeline always says that the, the day that Johnny disappeared was the one day that you didn't go with him. But you, you already told me that um, sometimes he w- would go alone. This wasn't necessarily the first time that he went alone, right? No, no, no. He went by himself several times. So. Okay. Yeah, and that, that's what I thought. And um, so this was a and, – and I talked to other carriers too. Like it was a common thing just like for carriers to just go and do it on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. And, um, on the times that you did go with him, um, was there any ever, did you ever notice anything that was out of place? Did it like any people or something give you pause to? Yep. <laughs> Everything seemed pretty well normal all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing I was with him 90% of the times on Sunday morning. Did Johnny ever complain about anybody working at the register? Like, I know that maybe he didn't have contact with a whole lot of people there, but was there ever anybody who he seemed uncomfortable about there? Um, just once in a while, um, he would complain about some of the collections, trying to get the collections or something like that. And so it was more more of a client complaint than it was Anybody from the register. There was something and, that you it, know, it... Okay. It was a short route. <clears throat> it, I don't remember exact county anymore, but it was less than 50 papers. And uh, it didn't take long to do it. So after you got your bundle, you just wrapped it up and there we go. So um, mm-hmm. Just basically, like, everything that Yellow Bag told me... Um, it, it just seems like that's the, the things that Milhouse said. Um, the fact that he said it more than once, um, you don't just say stuff like that, you know, just right. to, um, unless you know what what's going on. So, is Milhouse still alive? No, he passed away in 2015, uh, and actually he's buried in, I believe, in Leavenworth in Kansas because. I think he was a Vietnam veteran, but yeah, he, he passed away a couple of years ago and, and that, and that's why I've been trying to figure out like friends of his and stuff and just people who knew him. And it just seems like it, it's, it's hard because, um, like Vicky that I talked to yesterday, like she was a supervisor at the register at the time. And she was like, yeah, I thought he was a creep, but I didn't know that he was doing all that stuff. I didn't know that he was calling boys in the middle of the night and that he was, you know, because she said to me, like, if I had known that, I would have made sure he got fired that day. 
And so it just seems like he was one of those guys that kind of slipped under the radar. But, um, okay. Yeah. Keep up the good work. You're doing fabulous work. So, um, oh, thank you. Uh, it, it's very refreshing to have somebody with a, with an open mind going after some of this stuff because Ron and I talked about that too. Um, yeah. Not, no strings attached, just looking right down the tunnel and saying, okay, what's at the other end? Yeah, I, and well, it's like I said, I don't, I don't know why this, why Johnny's case touched me the way that it did, but it did, and I can't explain mm-hmm. it. But I, and I, I got myself into it, so now it's like I'm, I feel like I've invested enough of myself, just on a personal level, into it that I just, I, I really want to see it through now too. So, so I will say that it does weigh heavy on the heart to speak to a parent of a child who disappeared 36 years ago and whose case was never solved. And I want to reiterate, I do not fancy myself an investigator of any kind. I have zero training in that. I am not law enforcement in any way, shape, or form. I'm just a private citizen. So I don't want to ever imply that I'm trying to say that I hold the answer to solving this case. No, this has always been something that is entirely dependent on the participation of other people, people willing to share what they know. Like I said in my last episode, there are only two things and two things alone that will close this case. Either someone will confess or a body will turn up. The only way to reach either of those two outcomes is for anyone who might know something to come forward with what they know. I've been given some links on Millhouse, one of which details some of his court records. This is public information. It's from www.courtrecords.org. And sure enough, the first one says, Wilbur Julius Millhouse, born March 30th, 1943, arrested on November 17th, 1983, for third-degree sexual abuse. The next one doesn't say the date, but it says Wilbur J. Millhouse, and the description says that it was for failing to register as a sex offender. And yes, Milhouse did move to Kansas after he was fired from the register, because this third one says, Wilbur Julius Milhouse, born March 30th, 1943. The city is Overland Park, Kansas. The offense is third-degree sexual abuse. And the conviction date is September 5th, 1987. And yes, findagrave.com has a photo of Milhouse's headstone. He died on November 21st, 2015 at the age of 72, just under three years ago. He is buried at Leavenworth National Cemetery in Leavenworth, Kansas, and it says on his headstone that he served in the U.S. Army in Vietnam. So what I'd like to know, who else remembers Milhouse? And not only Milhouse, but some of these guys that he hung out with. Because if Milhouse was only the number two guy, that means whoever actually did take Johnny is still anyone's guess. So for next week, I'm going to try to not only get one episode out to you, but a few episodes during that week, hopefully at least three. And I have to make a little announcement. This first series of Faded Out is coming to a finale in a couple weeks. Let me be clear, we are not stopping the work we are doing on the Johnny Gosh case. We will still be researching the case and the names that we've uncovered in the months to come. We will still be active on Facebook and online, and in a few months, we will begin a new season where we will delve into a new unsolved case. However, during that new season, 
We will still provide updates on this first season regarding Johnny Gosh. We will still be in touch with all the people we've talked to so far. And as more things begin to happen, you will hear episodes on this case again. It's coming to a close because as a podcast... We are now at 24 episodes. So just speaking in terms of episodes, there isn't at this point a lot of story left to tell. That's why we will be providing updates and we will delve back into the case again when there is more to talk about. We will be recording the season finale on Saturday, September 29th, and we will be live video streaming it on our Facebook page. It will also be available as a normal podcast episode the following day, Sunday, September 30th. So we'll give more updates on that as the day gets closer. As for today, this is where I'll let it rest. You can get in touch with me by email at fadedoutpodcast at gmail.com. As I just mentioned, Faded Out is also on Facebook at facebook.com slash fadedoutpodcast. There is a closed group that you can request to join called Followers of Faded Out. Thank you for joining me today for episode 24. I'm Sarah Dimio. See you next time. <laughs>